so many people hate their own response to the following question. So what does your company actually do? Because in this moment, my friend, you have three options, okay? Number one, pitch slap your prospect. Number two, fumble your way through a long-winded response. And number three, deliver a punchy elevator story that sparks intrigue. Now, if you're nodding your head at number three, but you're like, hold up, I don't even know where to begin, then hey, don't worry. I've got your back. All right, head on down to www.theraviregiani.com forward slash your elevator story to unlock your very own free elevator story script, template, and guide. Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. From the mean streets of Novi, Michigan, Jeff Bajorek started his sales career back in August 2004 as a territory manager for DJO. But in Feb 2016, he decided to step over to the dark side. And what I'm talking about is entering the world of sales coaching and consulting as he began his journey of uncovering his unique gift of helping sellers rethink the way that they sell. And in this season of his life, a byproduct of a lot of his work is really helping people ditch inauthentic sales tactics and tap into who they are so they can sell like who they were born to be versus who others want them to be. You know what I'm saying? And this is a topic that's super passionate to me and I think a lot of the listeners, and that's exactly why I pinned Jeff down to appearing on this week's episode of the Influential Communicator podcast to talk specifically about how to stop conforming and sell like you. Jeff, welcome to the show, brother. What's good? Wow. It's an objective of mine to hang out with people who are younger, better looking, and more charismatic than me. And you check all those boxes. So hopefully something rubs off during this conversation and we can have fun. But I love stop conforming and sell like you. That's really, I might borrow that. I might borrow that. Thank you. (laughs) Take it, brother. And I was going to say, as you said that, I was like, well, tell me when you have that conversation. But no, brother, thank you. I, <laughs> I, receive, I received that compliment with open arms. But man, listen, you know what's uh, interesting about you? We connected, or you and I, we connected like, oh, I don't know, like a couple of months ago, but we've yep. got so many mutual connections and I just don't know how our paths never crossed for so long. It's weird. You hit my social media feed like a tidal wave and you're just everywhere now. And I know the, the algorithms kind of, you know, they conspire to do that from time to time, but I had never seen you before. And then I started seeing you like 12 times a day, talking to all my friends, taking pictures with my friends. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, is he living my life? Is he stepping in? Have I been supplanted? Am I in an alternate reality here? What's going on? So I was like, I got to reach out to this guy. And it's not just that I felt you know, like jealous or, and sometimes I do, cause you, you've been able to really share a few minutes in person with some people that I haven't been able to yet, but I dug into your story. I dug into your background. I, I listened to your message and damn, like you just, 
I know that it's like a duck on water. I know you've been doing this for a couple of years before you popped up. It's not like you just decided to be on everybody's collective consciousness, but man, you're doing such great work. I'm such a fan of it. So let's chop it up. Thank you, man. The feelings are mutual, brother. The feelings are mutual. And you know, one thing about you that I know is that you're a very intentional person. And you know, it's funny, I don't think people realize, but I think you're also a very spiritual dude. You're very, as I said, intentional, and you like to infuse personal development into a lot of your work, which is why I suppose you've really shifted your messaging to focus on selling like you. Now, what I'd love for you to give the audience here and community here is your definition of what selling like you actually means in like 30 seconds. Well, it means paying attention to that voice in the back of your head and that feeling in your belly. It means giving yourself and your own intuition the credit that it's due because you know what you need to do. You're just afraid to do it. Mm -hmm. And as salespeople, we try so hard to get our prospects and our customers to trust us And we neglect the fact that we, a lot of times, don't trust ourselves. And it is not until you decide to do it only the way that you can do it. And to go into the definition of what that means is it takes more than 30 seconds. But like, I'm trying to stay kind of surface level here for the sake of, you know, brevity. But there's a way that what you bring to the table is what makes you special. It's what makes the connection possible. It's what makes your, the experiences with you indelible. And too many people try to hide that, they try to suppress that because they feel like, no, in order to be consistent, in order to be predictable, I need to do what everybody else is doing. And if you do what everybody else is doing, that is the definition of mediocrity. You didn't come here to be mediocre. You came here to do your very best work. And so until you give yourself and your own intuition, it's do, you're leaving your best work on the table and we need your best work. What I'm really fascinated about with you is the origin story of this mission, which I suppose ties into your origin story. So was there a time in your life where maybe you felt like you had to please a sales leader and operate in a specific way, which was misaligned with your values? Or could you tell me about the time when you realized, hold up, I'm not selling like me? Oh, yeah. It was the first three years of my career. I was reluctant to get into a sales job. I just as not something that people and most people in my family did. It was something that was foreign to me. We didn't necessarily trust salespeople. There was skepticism around that. You know, when I got a sales job, actually after I'd already been successful for over a decade selling orthopedic implants in operating rooms, yeah. to hospitals, to physicians, things like that. And uh, I decided yeah. to open this training and consulting business. My mom said, so you're going to go into business for yourself? I said, yeah. She said, selling. I said, yeah. She said, are you afraid none of your friends are going to want to talk to you anymore? <laughs> I said, No. It's like, I would be terrified. Like that's where I come from. And my mom is softened on this, right? It's, it's for a long time. The punchline was that my mom couldn't reconcile that one of her favorite people in the world was also in sales. She's come around. She's one of my best podcast listeners. Now it's great. She tells me all the time. She's like, I really like that episode, Jeff. But like, that's kind of where I came from. So reluctantly I got into it. So now it's like, okay, if you think I can do it and you think I can do it and you think I can do it, let me make sure I meet your expectations. Let me make sure I don't let you down. So how do I do this? What's working for everybody else? And I think a lot of salespeople do that. And I think because salespeople, all they want to do is good work. At the end of the day, they want to be recognized for doing good work. They'd like to be paid for doing good work. But you know, you just you want that pat on the back. You you want to feel like, you know, I did something worth doing today. And when you try to do that and when you look for ways to hedge 
to make sure that you do that, you're looking for other blueprints. You're looking for other heuristics that just aren't yours. They're not authentic. They're not genuine. And they don't do anything to address the biggest factor in your success, which is you. And I did that for three years and I was frustrated. And I saw, because I had some appropriate mentorship and I saw some success in some ways. And in many cases, you know, my mentor did some things that I can't believe didn't get him slapped in the face or escorted out of the building sometimes. I saw what was possible and I saw how much fun that could be. And then when I decided to leave that job, take a new job, I said, here's the fresh start that I needed. I'm going to do it the way I know how to do it, or maybe this just isn't for me. So Mm. either I'm going to do it and it's going to be thrillingly successful and I'm going to know I'm on the right track, or I'm going to do it the way I believe it needs to be done and it's going to fail. And then, well, okay, then I know what I need to know. I I have to bring me to the table. That's either going to work or it's not. Or I can stay on the course I'm on, being frustrated, not feeling like I had any control, not feeling very engaged. Like, again, this these people think I can do it. They're willing to pay me money to do it, but you know, my heart's not in it this way. And as soon as I made that decision to trust myself, to pay attention to that little voice in the back of my head, Ravi, I tripled revenue over 18 months in a mature territory that had been flat for six years. And I did it during 08, 09, which was not so good of an economy, if you remember, right? So like, I knew I was onto something when I did that. What's funny is you can have that success. You can tout that success. You can say, yeah, this is what you got to do. But then you get to that next level where you need to cross that chasm again, where you need to step into a better version of yourself and you run into that same trap. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. I don't know. What have other people done before? It's a cycle that people get into multiple times during their career if they want to level up. And it never ends because that's what personal development is. Dude, you said something which I find really interesting, and it's about the idea of tapping into your inner voice and listening to it. Now, I don't know if you've ever found this, but I find what can happen to every single one of us is we can log onto a platform like LinkedIn. Now, the beauty of it is there's so much learning, so many relationships, so many friendships that come from that, right? Mm-hmm. The The other side of it is somebody could say, hey, I've sold like this this is the way to sell. And here's what worked for me. And that little inner voice could listen to that and slowly can become quieter. And suddenly all of it, I suppose out of nowhere, you're struggling to listen to the inner voice because there's a lot of noise in your mind. So what is one thing sellers can do in today's climate to actually hear their inner voice and focus on not suppressing it? Well, limit your exposure to voices that aren't yours. It's one thing to learn. It's another thing to fall into this trap of, I have to be here because everybody's here and I've got this fear of missing out if I'm not here. But I mean, look, the fastest way to get people to follow you is to tell them what they want to hear. So who's out there with the biggest audiences? They're the ones saying either the most provocative things or they're the ones with the messages that are selling essentially directly to the people who are insecure about what they're doing. And like I said, salespeople are by definition insecure because most of us are people pleasers. We want to do a good job. We want to be recognized. And with knowing how important it is, and given the fact that most of us are achievers, we're always looking for not the shortcuts, but what are the ways that we can help ensure our success? 
And one of those ways is standing on the shoulders of giants, learning what the other people have done. What's going on out there? How are you guys tackling these things? We want community. We want teammates. We want collaboration. Well, it's a slippery slope. I mean, they're all slippery, right? But I mean, it's a really particularly slippery slope to say, you know what? Ravi's doing this. He's killing it. I'll bet if I did it that way, I'd be getting better results than I am right now. The problem that people fall into is that they might get a little bit better results than, they, than they're getting right now, but it's not enough to make them satisfied. And so it's just one level of dissatisfaction to the next. And that looks like mediocrity. And if there was one great way to do it, or even five, 10 great ways to do it, the millions of salespeople out there, if there were five or 10 ways that you could do it, it would still be, by definition, mediocrity if everybody did it that way. So just because it's better than what you're getting right now doesn't mean it's going to be fulfilling. doesn't mean it's going to be your very best work. So you have to decide what you really want. And listen, mediocre results as a sales professional, pretty good living. Like you have a lot of options. There's some good parts about the job, some bad parts about the job, but you can live a pretty nice life. My question to anybody listening or watching this right now is, do you want mediocre? Is that what you want? Or do you want fulfillment that comes along with doing work that only you can do? And depending on where you fall on that side, on which side of that coin you fall on, you may decide to either keep listening with a lot of intention right now, or maybe this just isn't the podcast for you, right? It's like, you didn't come here to be mediocre. I believe I have a key to helping people unlock their potential and do their very best work. And the people who are listening to this message are experiencing just that. And it's not just success. It's not just revenue. It's not just commission checks. It's fulfillment. It's a better night's sleep. It's the opposite of the Sunday scaries, right? It's the, it's the happy integration of their work life and their personal life because there's that alignment there that you need to have. And we need to stop talking about the quickest ways to make the most sales. And we need to start talking about the most fulfilling ways to make the sales that need to be made. And I'm happy to lead that discussion. The gut-wrenching Sunday scaries, man. I remember those <laughs> days. They sucked, bro. They sucked. But, yeah. you know, tell me this, man. If a seller's listening to this right now and they're hearing, okay, if I want to sell like me so I can sell in a way that's unique and allows me to win the sale and achieve my definition of fulfillment, and if they go, that sounds great, but I don't know who I am. Mm. I don't know my identity. I don't know what you in the version of sell like you means. How does somebody reclaim their identity? I think it's first and foremost, it's not easy to do. Ravi, I know you've done that work. I'm doing that work. I think we it's a continuous process, right? Because as we yeah. age, we become different people, right? I'm not yeah. the same person I was 20 years ago when I was in college, right? I'm not the same physically. I was funny, I was having this conversation yesterday with a couple of my coaches at the gym, like you know, I can't strive for the same goals because I'm older. I'm fundamentally different in a lot of ways. So my perspective has to change, right? So your understanding of who you are is going to be dynamic throughout your life, which either makes it really fun or terribly frustrating, depending on how you look at it. But my advice for someone who doesn't know who they are is to start paying attention, paying attention to the stuff or, or pay attention to the stuff that makes you feel gross. Pay attention to the stuff that makes you feel good. Recognize that you don't do anything that you don't want to. You don't do anything that you're not compelled to. You have a choice for who you work for. You have a choice of what you sell. You have a choice of what you do professionally. Maybe selling isn't even for you, but I can tell you that with all of the ways 
that we have to go about doing our work and all of the things that we can do and call work, there is something out there for you that will light you up and pay you. So it's a balance of, okay, I got bills to pay. I've got responsibilities. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to own my own place. I want to drive a decent car. I want to, I want to feel like I'm experiencing what life is giving to me. Well, so you have to do that. And earlier in your career, you're going to take some jobs that aren't ideal for you, but you're going to learn from those jobs, what you like, what you don't like. And if you're paying attention, the next job you take or the next, maybe it's an entrepreneurial journey you're going to gravitate toward things that let you up instead of things that turn you off. So the first piece of advice is to start listening, start paying attention. And when you notice that nagging voice, start to listen to it, right? They say the universe speaks to you in whispers and it just gets louder and louder until you start paying attention, right? So the more attention you're going to pay, the less bumpy your journey is going to be. Be brave enough to do what you know feels right even if the people around you are doing something different. And that's the the first step. And it's you do that by journaling. You do that by having deep, vulnerable conversations with people you trust. You know, for me, first and foremost, that's my wife, but I've got friends that I have conversations with that I don't have with my wife because they're just different, you know, arenas, you know, she doesn't know what it's like to be a 43-year-old man, <laughs> you know, but I've got a bunch of guys that I grew yeah. up with you know, went to college with that we can share those kinds of stories with. Like, so who are the people that you're tightest with that you can have really vulnerable conversations and then listen to what comes out during those conversations and pay attention and journal and think and sit still sometimes, which is hard for me to do and I'm getting better at. But like, just pay attention to those things that you think other people would ignore. And I think that's how you really find who you are. And when you start paying attention, that starts to be a guide for you. And the more you trust it, the better a guide it's going to be. Dude, it's so funny you mentioned the idea of, I can't remember at which point in the conversation you said this exactly, but it's the idea that if you keep, well, the universe will bring you certain scenarios to help you learn specific lessons. And I don't know about you, man, but for me, when I haven't learned a lesson, that I don't know, better word than demon in whatever form gets sure. bigger. And what will happen is that situation will keep coming in my life until I have learned that lesson. And once I have deeply acknowledged it, moved through it and have really worked on it, it will keep coming to me. And I don't oh, think yeah. I had the self-awareness back in the day to really understand that. But now as I look at it, I'm like, wow, this is coming up again. Where is this a pattern? And how is it sabotaging me in some way? And I think that's, like you said, man, it's a never-ending journey. So let's do this, brother. Let's take a scenario, okay? So a salesperson's listening to this right now, and they say, Ravi and Jeff, that sounds good, but you don't get it. And we say, listen, dude, <laughs> what do you mean we don't get it? And they say, well, okay, I've got a sales leader who's secretly trying to suffocate my personality because they believe professional looks like X, whatever mm -hmm. X looks like to them. So their question is, is, how can I be selling like me if selling like me isn't championed up above? Jeff, Ravi, what do I do? And Jeff says, insert Jeff's response. <laughs> what matters? This is the exact, you know, I, I know I don't know what I'm talking about, except I've been in this exact situation and scenario before. <laughs> yeah, I, I took yeah. that new job and I started laying out my plans and started talking about some of the things that I was going to try. And my manager said, yeah, we don't do it like that here, man. And I said, 
okay. He's like, I'd rather see you do it this way. And what it took for me was to say, look, you hired me. I'm going to do it this way. Cut, pause, or whatever we need to say for me to get your attention. Because before we get back to the show, I have some breaking news. Okay, listen, ladies and gents, feature selling is dead. And story selling is alive. Because if you really want to build trust, stand out, and close more deals in a recession, then you need to try something new so you can drive your company to a world of efficiency and profitability. And that's exactly why I've opened up many slots this year for different companies to partner with me for implementing my story selling framework inside of their sales process. Now, the outcomes are all the good stuff. I'm talking about increasing average order value, collapsing time inside of your sales cycle and driving win rates. But more importantly, transforming your team to sell in a way that really focuses on human connection. And hey, that's what I'm all about. So if you're nodding your head right now, then head on down to www.theravirajani.com forward slash contact to book your complimentary discovery call to see if there's alignment. And hey, if there is, great. And if there's not, that's cool too. I'll see you on the other side. And since you hired me, I believe you trust me. Now I need you to show me that you trust me. And I'll make a deal with you. If in three months, this doesn't look like we're making progress here, if this doesn't look like it's going to yield the results that you're looking for, then I'll do it your way. Is that fair? Right? I, I believe you know if you're in a, a role where your manager you feel is not is stifling you, you have a sale to make. And you need to believe enough in yourself to sell your leader on why you believe you can do the job the way it needs to be done. I can tell you this. I have never, ever met a sales leader who will complain about the way you hit your number. They complain a lot about you not hitting your number. They never seem to complain about the way you hit it so long as you do. So you have to decide that you can do it a certain way and you have to trust yourself and you have to earn the trust in your leadership that you are the one to do it the way that only you can do it. So that is the situation. And it's, it's funny. There's a little bit of pressure there. Okay. But by the time I had been in that position, I decided, look, I either have to do it this way, or maybe this just isn't for me. And so that was my all in moment. And then what happens? Success beyond my wildest fantasies. I never expected to have that level of success that quickly. And then once I had it, I was like, oh my gosh, why did I stifle myself for so long? So the other option is maybe that's just not the right gig for you, dude. I know the economy is weird. I know the job market is even weirder. I know that it feels like this is a place of scarcity right now. And there is a point where you have to tolerate sometimes, particularly when you're earlier in your career, you need to tolerate some things that you will refuse to tolerate later. Get it. But ultimately, I go back to what I said before, you don't do anything that you don't want to do. You chose the role you have at the moment you have it. So make a different choice. People don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. So you're either going to do the very best work you can in that role, or you're going to choose another role. And it's not always easy, but it is that simple. Ladies and gents, you need to rewind and go back to that exact <laughs> script, I suppose, that Jeff would have shared with his manager if he was in that situation. Because that's gold, man. You know what's really funny? I won't mention this individual's name in case if anybody knows. But I was having a conversation with a leader recently, and they said, man, this person's just hates cold calling. They hate cold calling. They just won't cold call. But here's the crazy thing, Rav. And I said, what? And they said, 
they're booking discovery calls left, right, and center because of yeah. LinkedIn. They've found but, this way to channel their skill set through this platform. So I'm like, hey, you know what? <laughs> Do you? And that's the funniest thing because they are prolific in an area where they have realized they have a gift. And as a result, they are selling like them, which is exactly what you're talking about here, which is fascinating, bros. Okay, I'm loving this. Okay, now let's take it to another scenario, Jeff. Okay. Sure. Next scenario. You're on a demo or delivering a sales presentation to a huge prospect in your eyes. Okay. So this is like the biggest deal that you've ever worked on and you're in the room. Now you have a choice. Okay. Number one, be unapologetically self-expressed and showcase your quirks and who you really are or suffocate them because of the slow, or I suppose because of that 1% worry that you may alienate a prospect by being who you really are. Mm-hmm. So I see this battle going on all the time. What's your take on it? What would you do in that moment? What advice would you give a seller? If you try to please everybody, you will thrill nobody. And no one spends a lot of money without being thrilled about doing it. So you have yeah. a choice. You have a choice. You want to be vanilla? Okay. You will be bland as well as everybody else. The winner of that deal, like all things being equal, because by the time you get to that point, you are really kind of being seen equivalently to your competitors. So you got three hour long meetings, you're going into a boardroom, you're going first, your two competitors are going second or third, whatever the order is, that's insignificant. The one who's going to stand out is the one who was, who made the best impression, the most indelible impression. And sometimes, and I'm curious, I want to hear what you think about this, but sometimes even if you aren't even if your impression on everybody in that room isn't favorable, even if there's some people you light up and some other people are like, oh God, another dad joke, right? You'll be remembered for the dad joke, not so remembered for whether it was funny. You, you know what I mean? Like sometimes even an off-putting response is not a death blow to your deal, right? So being memorable, I think is really, really important. So if I'm in that room, I'm magic in a room, Ravi. I'm gonna make you smile. I'm going to get some kind of response out of you. I might make you, I might, I probably will ruffle your feathers a little bit because that's an important part of the emotional journey that we need to go on with our clients, but I will make you think, and I will make you think differently. And that's why I'm going to win over the other two. Now, if I'm not willing, if I'm unwilling to ruffle someone's feathers, if I'm just want to go up there and be really polished and robotic and I want to deliver a presentation without any stutters and I want to make sure that my slide transitions are clean and that everybody's got perfectly placed handouts in front of them and I stand very, very still with great posture, all those things that we were taught years and years ago about what it means to speak professionally, you know what's going to win that deal is if I make them laugh. I'm going to win that deal if I can make them look off into the, you know, the corner of the room and really think about something. You know, bringing that different level is what's going to make the difference. And I do that in a way that you can't, you do that in a way that I can't, we all have our own way to do that. If we try to stifle that, we will lose that deal. And then you're going to have to live with the idea that you had an at bat to win the world series and you didn't swing at a single pitch. Mm. Not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. You know, it's funny. This is, I, I don't know why this is coming up, but speaking of leaving the bat on my shoulders, I was in little league. I was like, I don't know nine years old. And I remember being up bottom of the last inning. This kid was throwing straight gas. I knew fastball was coming. 
there was a runner on second base, runner on third base, something like that. A base hit wins the game. I swung at three straight fastballs right down the middle, and I whiffed them all. And I, we, I just struck out to lose the game that I knew I could win. And I had the biggest smile on my face, nine years old. And my mom's like, oh, this is weird. I was not a good loser at this age, right? Like this was not characteristic of me. And she's like, I can't believe you're like, are you happy? I said, well, I'm not happy about this, but I knew it was coming. That was one of the most fun at-bats I'd ever had. We made eye contact, the whole thing. Like, I, I know where this pitch is going. He threw three straight strikes. I just missed them. And you know what? There were other at-bats I had where I hit game-winning base hits. You know, I mean, I've done a lot of that stuff in my career. I've never felt good about losing because I didn't try. And I'd rather be me and lose than not be me and leave it up to some other factor. Dude, I mean, when you're not being you, what I can find, and this is from experience, you can spend more time and energy trying to keep up with the mask and the story that that mask is telling the world that you end up losing who you are, but energetically, you're just fatigued. So I like to tell myself and I like to tell others the following thing. The very thing you're hiding is the very thing that makes you magnetic. Hmm. And for me, I've just found the moment where I've been able to share parts of my personal story with people that deeply connected with them, that is the thing that fuses that connection and ends up leading to a conversion if I've earned the respect of solving their problem, which goes <laughs> back to that thing like, you know, likability versus respect. And hey, that's another podcast in itself, which you and I could do. Tell me this, man, you know, as we wrap up the show, yeah. has selling like you ever backfired and what are the like the downsides of selling like you no that's the thing of it rav it's never not worked it's never not worked it is the thing that everyone is most afraid of and because it okay i mean you're talking about this is existentialism at its core or at its at its core right <laughs> yeah. will they like yeah. me or won't they and i'm afraid to yeah. find out but it has yeah. never not worked. I've been in operating rooms before. I've stood there and I have raised my voice in an operating room, told the surgeon to stop what he was doing before. Like the record skips in the operating room when you do that, right? And it's like, and I don't want to get into too many details, but it was my job being a representative in the room to be an extra set of eyes on that, operate, on that operation from where I was standing. Couldn't get too close, obviously, but that's neither here nor there. And I'd say, hold on. And more often than not, I was seeing something wrong. Every once in a while, Doc would look back and say, oh, good catch. Thank you. But every time, regardless, after the situation was resolved, Doc would look at me and say, hey, thank you. Like I did the thing that most people would lose themselves in trying to think to do. Like, who are you? That is, that is a surgeon for crying out loud. I've been operating for 30 years. Like, no, that's my job. And if I didn't say that, if I didn't ask a question that might be perceived as a stupid question, something terrible could have happened. And every time the intent behind that action was recognized. And I think that's what we don't give our prospects enough credit for, right? Is kind of just recognizing where we're coming from. You know, you ask that question you really want to know the answer to, but you're afraid to ask, ask it every single time. And it is always met with some kind of grateful response. I think salespeople are so concerned with screwing it up, whatever that means, 
and they don't have a good definition for what screwing it up. Have you ever talked to someone who has a good definition for what screwing it up means? They're just afraid of the worst. They don't actually ever think about what that scenario looks like. What do you screw up by asking a question that you really want to know the answer to? You know, unless you, I think you can go out of your way to try to screw things up. If you try to be a jerk, you can do that and you can offend some people. But what do you, if you ask a question that maybe you haven't earned the right to ask, worst case scenario, you walk it back and say, I'm sorry, I really want to know the answer. I, I apologize if that came off the wrong way. And then your genuine, authentic, like cordial, courteous nature comes out. And who hasn't done that? Right. You're relatable in that moment. Right. So James Muir is a friend of mine and he and there was one of his mentors, I think, told him about this. And he just said, intent matters more than technique. So you can rely on there's a safety net in your intent. And I just I've never been let down by this. It's the funniest thing. It, and I still run into the same resistance that a lot of people do. Again, it's, it happens to all of us multiple times in our careers, but it's never let me down. And it's led to all my success. Say it out loud, man. Why wouldn't you do that? So I know we're running close on time, so I don't, I, I could keep belaboring this point, but. <laughs> well, I like that quote, brother, intent over technique, because, you know, I love the, love the message and love the story. And what was coming up for me as you were talking was the idea that let's say you pretend to be somebody you're not, which is fraud, which is illegal in most countries that I know, right? Yeah. So you're behaving in a way which is completely misaligned with who you are. You land the deal because you end up acting like a chameleon and you behave in a way which is congruent with how somebody wants you to be. You land the deal. Three months later, you drop the mask because it's hard to continue keeping that mask on your face. All of a sudden, Uh they're like, whoa, who is this person? There's somebody completely different. The relationship breaks down. Trust is gone. Boom. So actually, what I've found in my own experience is being somebody you're not and landing a deal is a recipe for disaster because there's always going to be misalignment versus being who you are from the get-go and intentionally attracting and repelling. And I think that's the goal. But I also sometimes think, is that, and it's a question I don't know the answer to just yet, but is that easier for somebody like me versus an individual seller who's on behalf of a company? And I, I don't know. I think that's up for debate. It's not easier for you because you've got more riding on it. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. It leads to more fulfillment for you because you have so much riding on it. But, you know, if you always tell the truth, you can keep a really short, you can have a really short memory. And you mentioned it earlier. You know how, you know how much of a drain it is to try to keep up a charade? I think you call it a charade where you're from. Like, you know how hard that is to keep up, like how much of a drain that is on you. And you know, look, there are going to be people, most people, they sell a little bit of their integrity along the way. My question to them is, why did you discount so much? And I just, you have got to have this alignment between what you do, who you do it for, how you do it, and why. And when that alignment is present, you're in your own integrity, you can sell to a much greater ceiling to much more success than you ever could without it. And every little piece of that integrity that you leave along the way costs you in terms of energy, in terms of keeping up with the act, in terms of the risk, in terms of the imposter syndrome, like they're going to find me out. Like you're giving yourself imposter syndrome at that point when you have to act like somebody else. It's just bad news. There's just, and again, logically, there's no good reason not to emotionally. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And that is the plight of the modern seller. Dude, I think one of the hardest things that comes with that is ending up realizing 
that the people that you deeply connected with were all actually connected with the fake version of you. And as Drake oh, said, hey, the new me is really still the old me, right? So I'm like, when I heard that line from Drake, I was like, damn, Drizzy, Drizzy dropped a bomb there, man. He knows exactly <laughs> what, 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 exactly what I'm thinking. So I loved it, man. I connected with that. But dude, listen, before we do wrap up, and I could go with you for an hour or two, right? We both know we could go deep on this topic. But man, one question I like to always ask the guest is, Influential communicators. Who do you look up to as an influential communicator and why? Because I'd love to get them on the show. Oh, wow. I'm going to give you three because they're three of my closest friends in this. this yeah, yeah. No, I can't do that. Hold on. I have that list. No, because then I'd be leaving people off. Um, I have so many. I have so many that I've, I've been fortunate enough to call friends that I've been fortunate enough yeah. to, that I look up to, people who will take my calls. I mean, it's, it's wild. I'm going to go back to this is because I have plausible deniability with this. I'm going to go back to the first person who ever really resonated with me as a sales leader. And he was one of my earliest mentors. His name is Jeffrey Gittimer. And he wrote the little red book of selling in the sales Bible. And I think like 16 other bestselling books. And he's unapologetically him. The version you get in the books, the mental picture of his big fat finger in your face pointing at you because you're the one who's in control of all this stuff your belief, your mindset, the, recognizing the sales process for what it is. Jeffrey Gittimer is one of my most influential communicators. And he's a little later in his career now. He's not quite as active on the publishing scene as he used to be. But man, did he come along at a time in my career where I needed someone to kind of figuratively grab me by the shoulders and shake me until these, these ideas came through. And he's been very good to me throughout my career too. And I, I appreciate that. Love it, brother. I love it, man. And where can people go to learn more about what you're up to and the movement that you're building around this mission? I appreciate it. The The fastest way is you're probably listening to this in a podcast player right now. Just when you're not driving or when you're in a safe place, just go look up, rethink the way you sell. That's my podcast. And I'm in the middle of a season right now. Your episode, actually, as this one launches, your episode just recently came on. So go back to that and check that out. Um, the Rethink the Way You Sell podcast is great. RethinktheWayYouSell.com is where all my content and my community is. And of course, JeffPajoric.com. You just want to find me there. LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm in too many places, quite frankly. But if you Google Jeff Bajoric, you'll find me. <laughs> Ladies and gents, that is Jeff Bajoric teaching us how to stop conforming and really sell like you. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. And I'll see you on the other side. Peace. I have a question for you, my friend. And that question is, is what would it take to have you subscribe to the Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice? Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value. So hey, the more the word gets out about this podcast, the more people we can gather on this mission. So if you could support me, then hey, that would be dope. And if not, that's dope too. Either way, I got love for you. All right, I'll see you on the other side.